The Ringer's Dave Hill takes you on a journey into the underground lives and careers of six professional gamblers. This eight-part podcast is a unique look into the gambling world that you don't want to miss. Check out Gamblers on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? We back. Another week, another R2C2. Another week in my uh, Nets on Yes hoodie, cuz. <laughs> <laughs> if you didn't say it, I was gonna. I love this, it. This is my new Yogi tea. You know what it is? That It's true. It's so funny because I remember in the beginning of us doing the pod, so many people would hit us with the, why is C always in the Yogi tea? Like, he's yeah. always in the Yogi tea. Well, when we I, first started doing the pod, it was we would do it a lot from the stadium. Yes, so I would always yes. come, you know, before BP or after BP, and that was my club, I mean, you know, clubhouse attire. I wore the Yogi shirt literally every day in the clubhouse. Um, <laughs> and then I didn't realize I wore the fucking Yogi t-shirt every day at home, too, until we started doing the pod from home. <laughs> and then it's like, every day I got this Yogi tee on every week. So, oh. yeah, I might I might have to throw those out, man. I, I, I love it. It's a great shirt, though, and the hoodie's really great. Is. I love that you're rocking the Nets on Yes hoodie as much as you are. We will take as much... Nets on yes viewership as possible. So, right? yeah, man. I mean, Bro, it's crazy how much basketball I've been watching lately. It's just, I don't know. Uh, like, I watch less TV now that I'm that I'm not an athlete anymore. Remember how how much TV? Like, you know, I was crazy about Netflix yeah. and all of that stuff and everything. Like, uh, maybe because I'm not traveling as much. It's like I don't know. I, I just watch a lot of sports, like a lot of hoop. You know what I mean? Like after six o'clock, it's all basketball. Do you think it's because you've also exhausted all of the shows at the beginning of the no, pandemic? No, because it's new shows coming on all the time. You know what yeah. I'm saying? Like, yeah, it's new shows out. On, like my wife Amber is watching this show on Netflix now called The One, and it's about okay. it's about this uh the, this these two people that came up with this company, and uh, you can take your DNA and it matches you to the one person in the world that's your true love. So like, Wait, is this a, this a- is this a like? No, no, no. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a scripted show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's okay, a scripted gotcha, show. Gotcha. Uh, and I was it's really say, good. Can they do that, but that's cool. Right? I like it's that fire, right? Yeah, like, yeah. Okay, so this is the question. You're yeah. married, right? You're about to have yep. a baby. Would you yeah. do it? If Hell they no. Can... Not at this. Not at this point. No, not at this point. No way. No way. No way. Because no in my mind, I found my one. You already found it, right? Yeah. yeah. I don't want to. I don't want to like hear about anyone else no man like abso- absolutely not it's would you a, do it a, at this point would me would i do it yeah i already found my one like i'm exactly. good you know what yeah, i'm saying that's so how i no. feel too yeah now if you had, if you asked me like five years ago i would have said like yeah let me try let me right? see you know so, like i mean the show is really good it's, that's it's a great actually, concept though it is it actually is really crazy because on the show this one guy they're married it's a, it's a married couple and the guy doesn't want to do it but the wife takes his DNA and finds it, finds out who his match is to try to be more like her, and they and they end up meeting. It's crazy. The show's good. It's crazy. But I said all that to say I can't watch a whole episode. I fall asleep by the middle of each episode. Like she starts it every night, and then I'm knocked out. Like and I have to get a summary of what happened every morning, bro. It's crazy. But you're not falling asleep in the middle of Kings Hornets. Never. That's what I'm saying. Like <laughs> hey. Pelicans. <laughs> Pelican Spurs, I can stay up and watch all night. You know what I'm saying? Or yeah, I mean it's crazy. Like it's just 
basketball can keep my attention. I can stay up all night and watch the West Coast games, but I can't watch one show. You know, that used to be my thing. It's crazy. I can't do it anymore. You, I'm glad you may have just given me my new show to watch with. It's Andrew good, bro. I'm yeah, telling it you, it's good. You, yeah. You know, you know what I watched uh, last night? We watched this movie. Um, oh, well, it was with. Uh, my goodness, I, I'm coming up empty. About this woman who does, she's like trying to uh, basically get back at, at all these men uh, for uh, sexual assault that happened to her friend in college. And it is, what the heck is the movie we watched last night? I got to look it up because it is, it is, it's like, oh, it was a great movie. Great movie. What and was it on? Was it on Netflix? It was on, no, I bought it on, um, I bought it on Apple. Um, okay. Yeah, it's uh, oh, promising young woman. Thank you, Bobby Wagner. Promising young woman, dude. It's a great movie. Great movie. I mean, it's got a, it's got an important message to it, but it also is just absolutely riveting and fun and entertaining and unexpected. It's 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 got five Oscar noms. What's it called? Uh, promising young woman. Promising young woman. Okay, that's yeah. I, I'll, it, I'll check that out. It's it's with Carrie Mulligan. It's really, really good. It's got, it, it's, I was, uh, it's like 90% on Rotten Tomatoes. I thought it was awesome, man. Oh, I nice. It was great. Uh, I yeah. know you and Matt Nimer live off by Rotten Tomatoes. If Rotten Tomatoes don't give it a good preview, <laughs> Nimer's not watching it. So I you know, know he lives and dies by that shit. <laughs> <laughs> you know what's funny is like, I, I will ignore like Rotten Tomatoes when I need to, you know, yeah, but like I'm I'll sure use it you to will validate if it was for Star Wars. You yeah, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> like when Rotten Tomatoes killed uh, the, the, you know, the final, uh, final Rise of Skywalker. I was like, nah, they got it wrong. Fuck whatever. Them, it was like it, it was like fifty six percent or something. I was like, they didn't know. They didn't know. What one of the craziest Rotten Tomatoes phenomenons though was the Last Jedi, which I, I still think is was just a brilliant, brilliant movie. And its critic score is ridiculously high on Rotten Tomatoes. The critic score for Last Jedi is like 90-something percent. Wow. I, I, but the audience score for Last Jedi is in the 50s. It's like, it, because like, remember there was like a lot of Star Wars fans who were I remember a lot of Star Wars fans did not, like, yeah. did not like Return of the Jedi. Uh, or with the Last Jedi. Yeah, Last yeah, Jedi, yeah, I mean, yeah, I'm yeah. sorry. Yeah, exactly. They were like upset with the liberties they took and whatever, and I thought it was great. But, um, but yeah, speaking man. of speaking of Oscar uh, nominations, yeah. we gotta get, we gotta shout our boy out, Samir Hernandez, for uh, EP in uh, a short called Two Distant Strangers" that's up for Oscar nominations. So, uh, good luck to Samir and, and his team on that, man. I'm I'm super proud of him because he grinded all throughout uh, quarantine and everything on this. So it's 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 awesome to see him getting his recognition for this. That is so cool, man. I, I, you know, I didn't even know Samir was in that field now, but that is, he's a, Samir actually, he appeared on an episode of R2C2 back in the day when we were in Tampa. Yes. Spring yes, training. Yes. He used to be the Jordan uh, rep the Jordan for the rep. Northeast, right? Mm-hmm. For baseball. Uh, or, well, not just for baseball, but for everything. For all sports. Uh, but, uh, and he's one of your closest friends. That's, and he, yeah, and he's, and he's he's nominated for an Oscar. That's Come on, fire. man! Yeah, that's, that's dope. amazing. Yeah. That's amazing. That is cool. Speaking of uh, being into hoops, though, see tonight I actually have um, I have Clippers Mavs, uh, which should be a real good game on ESPN that will be a good at nine thirty. Yeah, man. I just is there anyone who Luca reminds you of when you watch him? Because that's always a big thing, or has been at least in recent weeks. About does Luca remind you of anybody? 
Um, no. And I think that's a good thing, especially at his age. Like, I don't think I, I've never seen anybody that that's that young that plays at that pace. Like he plays at his own pace. Like it's 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 crazy. Like he never gets frantic. He never he's never like out of control. He's never it's it's never a bad shot. You know what I'm saying? Like he's just always within himself. And I think it's because he's been a pro for so long mm-hmm. that he just understands understands the pace of the game and you know nothing's too fast for him. So no, I don't think they're there's not there haven't been a player that, at his age that plays at that pace. Yeah. Um for me no I don't I don't I, nobody reminds me of of him. I, I can't think of anybody. That's a good point about the pace aspect of things because it's true. He's so under control at all times. He's so under control that it makes his moves look slow. You know yes, what I'm saying? Yes, yes. The only yes. other person that I can think of and this is going to sound crazy that is that skilled footwork wise and that can make it look that easy is Melo. Yeah, no, that fit, does his, make sense. His footwork yeah. and shit is that yeah. that good, and it, you know yeah. what I'm saying. Where and he's makes not it like look, he's not like like fast, but mm-hmm. he but he's but he's quick where he needs to be. He's quick where he needs to be, and yeah. I mean maybe Paul Pierce is like that a little bit, but those guys weren't that at twenty something years old. You know what I'm yeah. saying? Like yeah. as young as Luca is. So I mean, you you can compare their games offensively, but not at that age though, and, and, and not with the distribution and you know just the the handle. It's ridiculous, man. Hubie told me he Hubie Brown, who you know, he's just. We should get him on the pod at some point. It's he's fun the listening story. to him do oh, the games, man. He's the best. He's it's the, the it's best. It's like the games get in the way of him. You yeah, know what I'm yeah, saying? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, we definitely yeah. should get him we on this pod. I should yeah. see if he'll come on. Yeah. yeah, he's you know he's like a he's honestly like a grandfather to me, and he's like it. I, he's 87 years old now. He's still sharp as attack. His enthusiasm for the game hasn't waned at all. Uh, you know, he, you know, I remember a couple of years ago I called a LeBron James buzzer beater. And it was a game, Minnesota, Cleveland. And the shooting in the game was just ridiculous. Like it was, I think it might have been the highest three point combined three point percentage in a game ever between two teams. It was like each team hit like at least 15 threes and they shot like 60%. It was absurd. And um, and LeBron hit it on a uh hit, won the game on a buzzer beater. Um, and uh and just like Hubie's unbridled joy during that game and his like enthusiasm is it's just like you're like yo this guy's seen everything and he, <laughs> and he's still like a little kid and it's amazing it's so infectious it really is it's 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 amazing but um he was telling me uh that he like there are parts of Luca that remind him of Larry Bird and the way he the way he kind of passes and it was interesting because Rick Carlisle played with Larry Bird now as his coach, and we were asking him about it. And he said where they're similar is like they have this intrinsic sense to make the defense think they're going to do one thing and then at the last minute do something else mm-hmm. and like know what they can do. And they both kind of have that. And I was like, okay, I could see. And Larry kind of under control too, mm-hmm. you know. But but Luca also has some magic in him, right? With at his size, playing the point, able to distribute and score. So yeah, I mean, he's a hybrid of all these guys. But I like what you were talking about with the under control, mellow Paul Pierce aspect of things. Yeah, he is. I mean, that's the only person I can think of like that just can get his shot off. And it and you think like it it looked like it looked like the guy played good defense on on 
yeah. um, Luca or Melo or Paul Pierce sometimes. But they always able to get that shot off and, and knock the shot down just because of their footwork and that little bit of separation that they can create without having that lightning quick speed. You know what I'm saying? Or, or that crazy athleticism. Like, it's just, it's fun to see that. By the way, for anyone wondering about Sling and Heat, C made an executive decision today since it's just me and C on the pod. Yeah, we shut down Sling and Heat today. We're going to make the whole pod Sling and Heat. That's right. <laughs> That's right, man. No we gonna make to the whole, no, no need to specify when it's just me and you. We're going to make the whole fucking pod Sling and Heat. You know, I, I, I was thinking about, since we were just talking about Dallas, I was just thinking about the past year. And we didn't, we didn't really talk about it on R2C2 last week, C, but I, I was just going through my phone last night and funny one of my one of my group chats shout out to the rag rats uh my my friend group uh um we were going through photos last night from the last year man like it's wild to think about especially those first couple months of the pandemic like go through your photos from those couple months it's it's weird man we've become so adjusted to this life that i think it's easy to forget what it felt like in that moment and some of the things you were doing and how weird things were. I even have like screenshots of different posts of like potential treatments for COVID just in case you get it. Like this worked in India. Like maybe ask your doc. Like it is, It see, it is so crazy to think that we have adjusted to this way of life now for over a year. Yeah, no, it's wild. I mean, I can, I can vividly remember like back to last March and, uh, just that whole week, like, before we got shut down, only reason I remember it so well is because I thought I was, like, one of the first people to have COVID. And I thought and I thought that I had took it to Yankees camp, remember? Because I had... Oh, yeah. I went to that Knicks in Utah game at the Garden and saw Donovan Mitchell say what's up to him, say what's up to Rudy Gobert. Um, and it was just, like, it was, it was one of those weird things where the next day I flew down to Tampa. And I was in a Yankees camp, and I'm saying what's up to everybody and hanging out and, like, all of this shit. And then uh, I was there. I was in Yankee camp for three days. The last day of, that I was there, we had a, 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 a coronavirus meeting. And, like, as we're sitting in that meeting, I'm like, oh, shit, I just infected the whole fucking camp. Because, <laughs> like, I just saw Donovan Mitchell go down with this, and then... Now I'm here, and they're telling us, like, it was just so, un- like, what? Do you remember so the much date? uncertain. Nah, I would have to look. I, would have, I, I can look at my phone and see. Um, it was just so much uncertainty. Like, what was going on? I remember washing my hands a thousand times that day. Like, and yeah. then flying home, um, like getting back. And then I remember I got back home and I was supposed to be like home for four days and I was flying back to Tampa with Little C because his baseball season is about to start. And I just remember that whole week thinking like, man, it ain't no way, like, they got to shut this shit down. Like, it ain't no way we flying. Like, I see yeah. his shit get shut down here and there, left and right. And then his high school coach, coach called and said that the, the trip was canceled. And then uh, about 20 minutes later, Robbie Kakuza called me and was like, man, we shutting everything down down here. Like, wow. shutting everything down in Tampa. So it was just, like, I just remember that week. Like, like I'll never forget it just because. I thought I was like one of the first people with COVID and I thought I took down the whole Yankee, the whole Yankee oh organization. <laughs> oh, the pressure and responsibility of that. My goodness. I know. It's, I, I was looking back through, it's funny because I remember in the beginning even like doing workouts in my apartment and being like, oh, I bet you I can figure something out, like whatever, you know? For a couple and, weeks. Yeah, for, right. It's okay. You know, like in a, you have a couple weeks just to get by, kind of maintain 
a year later, it's the only kind Bro. of workout I've done. Like it's, it, it's so crazy. Man, it's, it, you know what's crazy? Like for, you know me. Like when, when when quarantine first started, I was in heaven. Yeah. Like I don't have to leave my house. Like I can just fucking stay here and nobody thinks this is crazy. Like this is great. I don't have but to after, go to dinner with anyone. Bro, after about three weeks of that shit, I was ready to fucking. Oh. I was ready to lose it, and I I, I think the best. The best thing that happened was it was spring. So we were able to start getting outside. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yep. So, you know, people were riding their bikes and, you know, we were able to go on walks and different things like that. But had it been the middle of the wintertime and we would have been quarantined, I think it would have been a lot more fucked up. D dude, I even noticed it, like, just with this these winter This months. winter, yeah, yes. Yes, for this sure. This winter like, was fucking brutal. Yes. It, it, incredibly difficult mentally. And... I, I do really, I truly hope that the proper resources, expertise, and care is put into the managing of the mental health aspect of things in the aftermath of this and in our phasing back to normal life, however long that takes, you know, whatever that ends up looking like as these vaccines continue to, you know, circulate more and more, thank God, um, I, because it, it's a like that's not it's not something to just like mention it's something that actually needs to be cared for i think about these kids see i mean you have four of them so and I, they all have their own personalities and they all have had different sort of uh i think schooling setups between zoom or in person or whatever it might be like you know i i i worry for all of them you know not saying just specifically your kids but kids in general as to like how they deal with the aftermath of all this and reacclimating and you know and and the residual damage done like it no it has been obviously harder for you know for some people than others based on a variety of different factors but for everybody no matter what there's been some level of of challenge and just raising the general like tension and stress level in your life on a daily basis? 1,000%. I mean, I, for sure. I mean, I don't think there's anybody, you know, that's that can wake up and and feel comfortable, you know what I'm right, saying, with, right. with, with what's going on in the world. So, yeah, I mean, you know, sitting here now a year later, uh, you know, hopefully closer to the to things getting back to whatever kind of type of normal yeah. that we're going to have. Um, yeah, it's just crazy to look back and, and think about, you know, everything that we went through. Um, this last year, but man, I, again, like I said, because you know, you're just talking about the winter and how difficult this oh. was mentally. Had 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 that quarantine happen, and you know, we would have been doing that during the winter time. I think it would have been it would have been a lot more tougher. It, it, no doubt, man. Just being able to get outside, dude. I even saw it with like during this winter because Andrea, you know, being pregnant, obviously, we're being super, super, super careful, and we are we already were, but even more so. Um, and then like she's working from home. Mm -hmm. And so for me, at least, like there was some sort of outlet, you know, for even though it's like it's, it's a very um, sort of sterile space that I'm traveling to whenever I'm doing games. Right. If I'm in Bristol, if I'm in if I'm in Barclay Center, it's like a, it's a it's very curated to be covid safe now. So it's not like a willy nilly let your guard down situation, but there's still some sort of, you know, external stimuli and social interaction and that is therapeutic during a time where you're stuck and, you know, basically on the same routine every day, you know, seeing, I'm like, geez, like she, for a while, like, I don't even know, there'd be, you know, 
weeks where she's not leaving the apartment in winter, you know? Mm-hmm. And I'm like, oh, and I could see, I could see the, how di- challenging that is mentally, you know? Um, so yeah, man, I'm ready to get to this warm weather. I'm ready to see cases plummet as the vaccine goes round and round. I am grateful that we've been able to do the pod throughout, man. I mean, even when we had, you know, I had four months without play-by-play or whatever it ended up being. Um, I'm glad we still had the pod to go throughout it, man. It was like the one thing to, I remember even, do you remember the first podcast we did? I remember feeling, because at that point, like the tension was at its highest. And I remember feeling like, oh, wow. Like that was like an hour long distraction. Like that, that actually yeah. felt good. It felt I like. Don't, I don't remember. I don't remember. Um, did we do, um, we did the first ones like right on Zoom? Did we wait? Yeah. Like, did, or did we just, did we hop right into like doing them on Zoom? I no, can't even remember. We, we went, we went right to Zoom. We went right to, we waited, we waited like a week. So we didn't we did, for a and week then we, and then we and went then right. And then we did Zoom. Like, I think we did our first one on Zoom like March 19th or something like that. Who was our like first that. guest? Or was it just me and it was just, just us? We did one, just us at first. Okay. And then I, I think it might have been Zach Britton right after. Like, like, yeah. Sadie's looking up. Oh, the yeah, it, it was, was Brit. I yeah. remember us getting Brit because yeah. he, was, he was talking about, you know, the player association and everything, yep. and, you know, everything going on. And yep. And because and he was in those conversations. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. And then we yeah. did Booney and Hark as well together. You know, we did Phil Hughes, Burnett. Like, Jeez. Yeah, man. I know, I know. So I, it's a little that's trip when I was, That land. was before I had the studio. That's when I was still doing them upstairs on the on the couch. Yes, man. Now that I was, remember. Now I remember. Before you yeah. had Studio 52 downstairs, yeah, man. Yeah, now, yeah. I, I, I do have to say, like, you know, it's, um we appreciate all of you who have listened throughout and gone on this ride. It's It definitely has given us, you know, something fun and engaging and distracting to do during this period of time. And I hope everybody is staying safe and well. And there's a light at the end of the tunnel. There is a light. We're getting closer and closer. Almost there. Almost just, there. Just hang on a little longer. And we we are we're we're almost there. Um see, can, can I just share something about about um some of the opinions I've seen about Blake Griffin? Mm-hmm. So and I wanna I then I wanna throw some of these potential rule changes to you in the minor leagues this yeah, season I, with baseball? I, yeah, I've heard about these, but I want yeah. you to explain. Like, I, I need to understand yeah. them more. I don't, I, I, you know. Yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to throw them to you. For, so, but first, I just want to say this. When the Nets signed Blake Griffin last week, I saw a ton of people who were saying, well, now they have no excuse not to win a championship. Now they have... Now they have no excuse not to win a championship. They just got everybody. They have Blake Griffin too. Oh, if they don't win the finals, it is a failure. Now, I, I saw that in multiple places from different people in reaction to the Nets signing Blake Griffin. Man, I, yeah. now, now, now I hope, I hope Blake Griffin is a healthy contributing piece to this Brooklyn Nets team. But if you are looking at that move, and understanding that Blake's health has been in a place where Detroit had to come to a buyout agreement. They couldn't even trade him, right? You should understand that when you look at the totality of the Nets' talent, this is not the piece where you all of a sudden (laughs) say, like, oh, that's it. It's unfair. They have too much. If they don't win now, it's a failure. Like, look, 
Maybe Blake will prove to be a nice rotation player for Brooklyn this year. I hope so. I love him. He's a great distributor. If he gets his knee healthy and can explode again, great. We know he's developed his outside shot. I think he's a wonderful personality, and I think he's going to be a great culture fit. But like, let's see what his game is now, and let's, regardless, understand his place within the talent that's already here. I saw that, and I was just like, what? No. Like, if you didn't say that after the Nets got James Harden, you you can't, like, I'm sorry. Yeah. These other pieces don't do that. Yeah, no, I mean, when I saw them playing Blake Griffin, I was just like, you know, just great. A, a veteran presence in the in the locker room. You know, maybe can help out around. I didn't think that this is the, the piece that's going to put them over the top. Um, I mean, it, it would be great if, if, he, if he does become that piece, but I, I just don't see that happening, you know, with, with everything that's, you know, transpired the last couple of years with, with his knee and stuff. So, um, but I mean, if he can get back to being, you know, some, some remnants of itself, I mean, I think it's, it's a huge help to the, to the Nets. You know what I'm saying? I know what I'm saying? But yes. he's, he, he's got to be healthy and, you know, um, be able to be available to be out there. But um, no, nah, I didn't see none of that. You know, when oh people were saying gosh, that it was, yeah. and this I was is just the like, what? And, and, and look, look, I, I agree with you. I think he could be like as a small ball five with the way the Nets play. Maybe he will be a really nice piece for them, especially if he gets healthy. But knowing what he's been dealing with physically, it blew my mind to see so many people be like, oh, the Nets got another star. Here they go. Like, it's not it's not Blake from three years ago, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, I, I, I say that respectfully to Blake because, you know, maybe he will find his health again. But the point is, we don't know that yet, you know? Like, so, so we can't say definitively, oh, that's it. That's the move. I was like, what? Yeah. And, 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 and see, just... You know, while you're wearing the Nets on Yes hoodie and a Nets hat, so I can I can go into this further. Let me just also say this: I've seen other people, and Stephen A. even talked about this. My my old co-host and good friend said, if the Nets don't make the finals, but the Knicks go to the playoffs, the Knicks will have had a more successful season. What? If the Nets don't go to the finals, right? And the Knicks go to the playoffs. Yeah. No. 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 Like, I, this is my thing. Sometimes we get, we just get too crazy with this. Now, this isn't to set the bar lower, because I think the Nets, if they're fully healthy, are the best team in the NBA. But a million things can happen in a season. We know that. And if if the Nets, like, let's say they went to the conference finals and lost a riveting seven-game series to Milwaukee or Philly, and the Knicks got swept in the first round. I'm supposed to look at the Knicks season as more successful than the Nets? Like, are we forgetting where the Nets came from just a couple years ago to build back to this point? They think, were not only terrible, they were bereft of assets. I they think had that, nothing. I think that statement is more about him being a Knicks fan than it is about the actual Nets. I think you know so, what I'm saying? Too. I think I people, think so I think... I mean, and rightfully so. Everybody wants to get excited about the Knicks. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. even, you know, I mean that that's that's New York scene. People, yes. people are Knicks fans. New Yorkers are Knicks fans. It is what it is. Yeah. Um. So, you know, I, I think I think he wants to be excited and and get people going and get it to be a rivalry. I will say this: I went to go see the Knicks. I've never seen an NBA team play that hard on a regular fucking. Friday yeah. night in the goal. I've never seen a team play that hard, cuz. And that sounds crazy. I've never seen a team running back 
in passing lanes, on the fast break. They, they were everywhere, Clubs. They were flying around. The, I mean, obviously we know Julius Randle's an all-star. The, the, the rest of the roster, you know, I mean, Emmanuel Quickly's really good. Um, but they're winning games and in games because they play hard, cuz. Mm-hmm, like I've mm-hmm. never, I've never seen a team play that hard before. And and that's that's a great compliment to Tibbs and and Wes and and Leon and what they, you know, the culture that they're building over there and and what they got going and and you know, things are coming in the future. But I don't think it's even close right now of, of where the Knicks and the Nets are. You know what I'm yes. saying? As far as <laughs> you know, comparing and- them and, and comparing who had the better season. I don't I mean, I think that's just that's New Yorkers wanting the Knicks to be relevant again, and I understand that because everybody in this town is a is, is a Knicks fan. And, and you know what? Like, I I also think Knicks fans should be so grateful for what the Nets became and built because I truly believe it. And Max Kellerman's talked about this too. I truly believe it helps keep the Knicks accountable. You know, and like, and and not accept. I mean, you've had twenty years of essentially misery for that franchise, and horrible decisions, and being mm-hmm. poorly run. And it's harder to get away with that when you have someone else in town who's clearly doing things the right way, who's attracting the biggest stars of the sport, who's winning, who's a championship contender. All of a sudden, it's like, whoa, we gotta, you know, we gotta measure up. In some ways, I compare it a little bit to what the Mets. Uh, you know, it, fans like kind of went through looking at the Yankees and looking at the Yankees wallet and stuff and saying like, yo, this is not acceptable. Like we are in a big market. We need to have, you know, and it took a while, but they got their change of ownership. And that's not a perfect analogy, but I think there is some remnants of similarities there, you know, of, of, of being value. And I, and I also think this dude, like, you know, the, I, I think people forget sometimes, and this is a little net centric. I understand that, and you know, I, I call their game so understandably so. But like, it's still like Brooklyn is still. If you looked at like a more like thirty thousand foot view, Brooklyn is still in its infancy. You know, like you, you're you're just starting to plant those seeds there, and all of this is gonna it's gonna help. You know, it's gonna help you firm up your fan base. It's gonna help you establish yourself here. Like, all that stuff helps because kids growing up right now who are like, oh, I love Harden or I love Kyrie or I love KD, all of a sudden they watch the Nets, they become Nets fans, and then they can have that, like, when they're when they're older, right? Hey, and that's and what you, I, you know what's crazy? I'm, just, I'm sorry to cut you off, but talking no, no. about building up the fan base, it's weird that the Nets don't really have a fan base. You know what I'm saying? Like, this town still is a Knicks town. You know what I'm oh. like? Oh, oh! It, it forever will be. Yeah, it, for, it forever will be. But what I always say about this is, but but in the, uh, I, it, uh, like the Yan- the 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 Yankees run New York, right? But yes. there still are a lot of Mets fans. You know what I'm saying? Yes. Like yes, yes. I, like this, it's not that way with with the basketball yet. Yet, that's my key thing. So my thing, see, when people talk about this, is I always say, what the Nets should like feasibly be able to accomplish as far as that goes is becoming the Mets or the Jets in the town. Like ultimately mm-hmm. there's always going to be more Giants fans. There's always going to be more Yankees fans. But when the Mets are really really good, they could take the pulse of the town, you know? Mm-hmm. When the when the Jets are really really good, they could take the pulse of the town. There's always going to be more Knicks fans here, always. Mm-hmm. And they have an even, you know, greater head start and embedded advantage 
with the arena being in Manhattan and, and, you know, the Nets just having moved here, you know, less than a decade ago. But the Nets can can be that, where they take the pulse of the town, especially if one team's down, these They're other, the other's They're going to have to win, out. though. They're going to have yes, to win. They're going to have to win, like, in the next yeah. couple of years. Agreed. Because the totally Knicks are, agree. The Knicks are about to get good again. You know what I'm saying? They're yeah, on the we'll way. See. Like uh, they're on the way because if they yeah. play like this and they if they play that hard and they have talent, that team is going to be really fucking well, good. Guys. Well, they they'll need to, but you need to. If you're the Knicks, you have to use this to attract to attract the stars. Then yeah. because you're not ultimately winning anything with just just like by the way what the Nets were before they got Kyrie and KD. It's like hey. That team super plays super. You got to build the culture. You got to build yeah, the culture. Exactly. But the, the, and the, the, Knicks, the is, Knicks are doing it. They're they doing are. it. But they people do, they just need play those in other New York, pieces. and people want to come to New York to play. You know what I'm you saying? Know? You just got to make this a destination. But like, yeah. out of all the cold weather places to play in the in yeah. the country, like people would love to come to New York to play because you get the summer in New York. You know what I'm yeah. saying? So it, it's it, this this should be a destination for both teams. Yes, and 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 look, Brooklyn proved it is if the players have trust in the culture and the way things are run. As the Knicks establish that, which I believe they will, we'll see if the free agents follow then, right? Where they're like, hey, now I know they've developed some good role players. Uh, the culture's where we want it. I have faith in the front office. Like, let me, I will go there, you know, which hey, they didn't have before. The Knicks are going to have to put a, a training facility somewhere around down in the city too. Kind of like what Brooklyn has. I mean, me and you, yeah. we've both been to that thing. That yeah, place it's is, amazing. Is amazing. And it's in Brooklyn. You know yeah. what I'm saying? So yeah. the guys can live in lower Manhattan or they can live in Brooklyn and still go work out there all summer and all of that. Whereas the Knicks guys, they got to live way out in Westchester, come back to the city. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. So it's a different vibe. So I think the Knicks need to build something down around close to the garden in the city where they have like a training facility too. One thing I will say though, all the trends for growing a fan base for the Nets they're all in the right direction. For like sure. if you look at if you look at all their trends, whether it's our viewership on yes, whether it's, you know, I mean, shoot, even something like, you know, they have more Instagram followers than the Knicks, right? Like all their all those things are trending in the right direction for them. They're a bigger national team than they are a New York team because of the star power and because they haven't had their footing here long enough. Mm -hmm. But if but you know, Knicks fans love to flaunt that. And I think it's because they haven't had anything else to hold on to because their team's been so bad for so long. So I understand it. But, and, and by the way, right now, I think, you know, the Knicks do, fans do have something to legitimately be excited about when it comes to their team. But I would say this, like, judging the Nets forevermore on what's happening with their fans based on this moment in time is wrong. It's judging where they came from, where they are now, and where they and can where go. Going. Yeah. Yes, and and right now that line is basically linear progress, uh, very much slanted up, and so you see where that ends up going if you have a sustainable championship caliber franchise for 10, 15, 20 years. Do I ever think it'll be the Knicks in this town? No, but do I think it's something where it's like very substantial? Yes, you could be Wendy's. You don't have to be McDonald's. Yeah. Wendy's still pretty happy with their, you know, $5 billion market cap or whatever it is, but, even if it's they, not McDonald's. The Nets, we, they're going to have to win, like, quick. Just yes. because I'm just, like, you know, all my friends, like, here are, are Knicks fans. Like, yeah. Like, the other day, like, the, uh, that week, I, I went to the Net, I went to the Knicks game, me and Action and, and uh, Jadakiss and and, uh, and Pekka's. 
We was at the game, the Knicks game. Two nights later, I'm like, I hit, I hit action. I'm like, yo, you want to go to the Brooklyn game? He's like, nah. <laughs> like, what you mean? He's like, nah. Nah, I don't want to go to Brooklyn. I'm like, yeah. It's like, but come on, man. So but, but in all seriousness, if you want to sit courtside, though. It's crazy how much people. But New Yorkers love the garden, guys. New Yorkers, New Yorkers love the garden because they don't give a fuck about but, who's playing in Brooklyn or who's on that team. I, it's I'm all about the garden because shit is crazy. The garden it's crazy does, to me because yeah. the garden really don't do nothing to me because I'm from California. You know what I'm saying? And yeah, like, yeah. Well, I'm not I a love hooper. the garden. I, I, I mean, love the garden. I love it. It's, but It's dope, but like yeah. it, it's not like, you know what I'm saying? Like, like I think for basketball players, like me going to Yankee Stadium is great. Like, yeah. still... As a baseball player, it's insane to be able to show up in Yankee yeah. Stadium for work. You know what yeah. I'm saying? So if, if I was a basketball player, maybe I would feel that way about the Garden. I just don't understand how people don't, like, you You don't want to go see fucking Harden and Kyrie and KD? Like, yeah. now you're no, ready to go to the Garden, but this is the Garden. I, you know what I'm saying? I, I think they do, though, man. Like, I maybe action doesn't, but his best nah, friend Latchkey Mike I'm, does. He's a big I'm Nets fan. Fat Joe, <laughs> like, I'm telling but, you, like, but I'm telling these you right guys now, are Knicks fans to their core. Cause. Well, well, that I know. That I know. But I'm telling you right now, if because basketball also attracts, and this is why the Nets have been an enormous national draw this year. They've been, you know, one of our top three rated teams, like, throughout yeah. this year when it comes to national. But this is why I'm saying, if it was, if things were, like, fully open and it was normal, you would have for sure, every single night, a glutton of celebrities sitting courtside to watch Harden, KD, and Kyrie. But but not necessarily New Yorkers. Maybe not. Maybe not. Not necessarily New no, Yorkers. Like, like the idea that like Knicks fans are going to become Nets fans, like, no, they're not. Like that, never, that, sports that, fans that, that don't do that. Point. That yeah, was my yeah. point. Well, I'm yeah. a sports fan. I would do some shit like that. But <laughs> <laughs> but New York fans, no. They won't do that. <laughs> yeah, they're not, they're not gonna do that. You're not gonna get you're not gonna get the Knicks fan to become a Nets fan. Mm -mm. But you might get a new generation of fans who come up and they're like, I like what's going on in Brooklyn or or whatever. And and it and it it depends on the players and who's there or whatever. But I I think what's um, you know, what's what's interesting is like Within that debate, I always think that like Nets fans, which are obviously a, a much smaller piece of the pie than Knicks fans, they're always like, I, I don't care. I just want my team to win. You know, like that's not a bad <laughs> like, you know, okay, okay, yeah. congratulations. You have more fans. Enjoy your first round loss. We'll enjoy the finals. Like I think that's how cause cause a Nets fan never has looked at that as something that's on the table. Now I can't say that's you know, that there aren't certain, you know, people who ha have hope for that or whatever. But I think for Nets fans, they're very comfortable, you know, with kind of just like having a good team, you know, yeah, like, yeah. especially after losing. It's like, it's kind of like, that, like that's, I don't... that's Mets fans, though. Yeah. Like, Mets yeah, fans yeah. are the same way. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, and that's why, like, I, you know, Curtis said this when he was in his press conference when he, with the Mets, when he signed with the Mets. But, and I kind it's kind of the same, like, the real New York baseball fans are Mets fans because mm -hmm. it's easy to be a Yankee fan because we win 95 to 100 games every year. Like, <laughs> when you're really repping that fucking blue and orange and them motherfuckers is, like, they, they, they lose 80, fuck, 80, 90 games a year because, you know what I'm saying? Every yeah. year yeah. in this big market and they sign all these, like, it's, it's just, you have to really, really love the Mets to be a Mets fan because, like, they are the real diehard fans, guys, period. Oh, they, they are, man. And that, just to bring it full circle, that is my point about people saying 
if the Nets don't win a championship, it's a failure. I'm like, you are forgetting where, where they came this, from. Yes, yes. Yeah, they don't give a you, fuck about right. that. This isn't they just the, want a good team, no, guys. This like, isn't you, should the, see, yeah. you should see Michael Palmer every day, my, my assistant Skip. Like, he's yeah. Nets gear every day, so excited, so happy. Like, yeah. The, yeah. Net, the real Nets fans are excited as fuck, guys. Exactly, exactly. And they may not be as bountiful as Knicks fans, but they are so, so satisfied right now with this season, man. As I was I was saying earlier to my my trainer, Eugene Reynolds, who's a diehard uh, Nets fan, like I was saying, you know, it's not like the 73 Warriors adding KD where you could say, okay, you know, the 73 win Warriors, I should say, adding KD, where you're saying like, okay, Yes, like anything less than a championship would feel like a failure. This team went to game seven of the finals without KD. Like, yes, that made sense. That's not where the Nets are coming from. (laughs) They're coming from a place of being a a perennial 20-win team with no assets. And now they're here. I like where the Nets are, too, uh, winning all these games without KD, because... Yeah, yeah, true, true. Because they're going to need... They're gonna need these other guys to figure out and step up, you know, when it comes down to the end, and and uh, you know, with KD on the floor, yes. so you know, not having them out there now just lets these guys figure out their role and all that shit. So I think this is this is perfect. It's working out perfect. I agree with you, man. I think it's excellent for them. Like, and when you slide KD in after the way they've looked, even without him, look out. I mean, they won man. thirteen of fourteen games. KD played in one of those games. That's what I'm saying. And, yeah. and so that's good to to have them catch that rhythm and catch fire. While he's out. You know yes. what I'm saying? Yes, 100%. It's, it's, it's going to be big. I will say this. I think it's great for our city to have these stars in Brooklyn, this team, and then have the Knicks getting better as well. Like, if we could have both these teams be uh, legit, oh, it'd be amazing, man. It's going like, to be crazy. Yeah, especially yeah. for me being retired, it's going to be a lot of fun. Yeah, you just gonna, <laughs> I get to go. You, you're going to go to 82 games a year, man. I 41 and 41. All of this shit, bro. It's yeah. going to be crazy. So I wanted to throw this at you, see, before we take a few uh, Twitter questions. The minor leagues announced um, several different rule changes that they're going to tweak with, and they they try them out in the minors, see how they like them, and then potentially could adopt them in the majors later on. Mm-hmm. But they try them in the minors. I'm going to read through a few different ones, okay? All you right. tell me which one, if there's any that you're like, like, absolutely not, absolutely yes, right? But I'll just go through them all first. All right. All right. At low A, southeast only, uh, they're doing the ball strike uh, auto machine. Um, uh, I don't know. What is it called? Uh, uh, Automated strike zone. Automated strike zone. Thank you. Low A, uh, you can only get two step-offs or pick-off attempts per plate appearance. Only two. If you do it again, you have to pick the guy off if you throw over for a third time. If you don't, it's a it's considered a balk, and the guy gets second base. High A, pitchers must completely disengage with the rubber um, before throwing to any base. Uh, this this is a rule that the Atlantic League uh, used and saw significant uptick in stolen bases. Double uh, A, four players on the infield at all times, both feet have to be completely in front of the. Uh, outer boundary of the infield dirt. So you got to have four players with their feet on the infield dirt at all times. You can have them wherever you want, but they may in the second half of the season adopt where it's two on each side of second base, Hmm. um, depending on how that goes. Triple A, they are increasing the size of the base from 15 by 15 
to 18 by 18 to try and also encourage more stolen bases, infield hits, uh, bunts, things like that. So I say all those rules. Are there any you hate, any you love? I don't like the base side shit. That shit is dumb. Like, okay. Uh, close plays at first. You know what I mean? Ground balls. Like, that That takes away from, like, the timing in the infielder's head. Like, if a guy, the base is a little bigger, and the guy gets a ground ball, and he usually pats a couple times. You know what I'm saying? Like, I feel like that throws off the game a little bit. But wouldn't um, it be exciting to watch the fielders have to adjust and make the plays even nah, quicker? Nah, fuck that, because I don't want the ball be thrown all around and shit watching a fucking T-ball game, because I want to watch outs. <laughs> you hit a ground ball to shortstop, you should be fucking out. You know what okay, I'm saying? Fair like, enough. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I get you. I get you. Um... The step off, I like that where you got to completely step off. I think yeah. I think it'll help guys uh, start running more. Yeah, um, making righty step off to uh, to throw the first base. I have no yep. problem with that. I like that a lot. I, I actually think it'll it'll make the game a lot more fun and exciting um, to 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 bring the running back into the game. I, yep. And I I really like the the uh, two pickoffs. Like you do, motherfucker. Yeah, if you like, bro. If you ain't picked him off over the first two times. You ain't fucking picking them off, cuz. Throw the ball to the plate. <laughs> Fuck that. Like, man, nothing I hate more than motherfuckers just keep picking over and over and over, especially for, for a base stealer. That's a way that you can tire out a base and piss me off that they just pick Guardy over like eight times in a row. Now he's gassed and he can't take the bag. You know what I'm saying? Like, mm -hmm. so that, like, I think people would just pick over to, to gas the runner. So I like that. I like that rule of, uh, after the, after the second time, you either got to pick them off or it's a fucking ball. Yeah. You, you, you know what? I, I, it's interesting hearing that from a pitcher. And I, I, the thing about it that I think can make it work is that you could still throw over after, but you just yeah, you have to pick over. them off. Or you, or, or, or you can throw off. over and the next at bat. You know yeah, what I'm yeah, saying? Yeah, it, yeah, it, yeah, it, it yeah. Can yeah. Be the, when the next guy yeah. comes up, then but, you, have, you got two more times to try to pick but, them off, but... Because come on, bro. Like the the, the intrigue though, the, the the intrigue, dude, is in what could be kind of fun to watch. Is you throw over twice, you don't get him, and it's a fast runner. Well, now that runner is kind of like, all right. Well, I know they can't throw over unless they I get can me. Go anytime. But, yes, but like, so I'm going to take an even bigger lead. But if I take too big a lead, then he I picks still, me off. Then he picks me off because he because he can do that. So it adds a little. It adds a little extra, like, intrigue to, like, some action, I think. So, yeah, it's interesting. I mean, it, it, Booney was talking about this the other day, and, and I thought he had the right phrase. He's like, I'm all for making improvements, but we just have to be careful because it's true. Like, there are sometimes there are unintended consequences of things, you know, and uh, you, you just you want to make sure that whatever you're doing is actually going to yeah, but baseball is always so careful, and that's why we're in the same fucking spot where ain't nobody watching this bullshit. Because we're always so careful <laughs> and nothing fucking changes. We need to make some goddamn changes, bro, so get some people to watch this shit. Like, the NBA changes the rules all the time. The NFL yeah. changes their rules all the time. Yeah. Nobody has a problem with that shit. Like, baseball is too pure for me. Like, it's like you can't do nothing. You can't touch nothing. It's all these fucking extra rules and different things and all this shit, man. Fuck that. Like, let's change it up. And, and make this shit exciting, man. Like, the automated strike zone. You know, I'm 1,000% for that shit, cuz. Yeah. Bring them motherfuckers in now. <laughs> in the big leagues, now. Uh, all right, so you're so you're on board with the no, with the limiting the pickoffs. You're on board with the automated strike zone. You're on, on board, board with, with, with completely changing disengaging the, game, the rubber. Change what about the, the game. What about the infield one? 
Uh, I, I like two, the infield one, bro. I, I think it should be two on each side. Okay. I don't like the shifting, man. I, like, like I want to see hits, cause like you know what I'm saying. <laughs> like I want to see action. Well, lefties like, I, are also unfairly disadvantaged man, by un- by the shift. Completely unfair, yeah. especially the especially the big power hitting uh, lefties. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like like the Brian McCanns and the Mark Teixeiras and the you know David Ortiz's. I guess Joey Gallo's now. You know. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it, it completely fucked them up. Like, guys went from hitting 300 to fucking 220, 240. We like, saw it with Tex, too. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, no, I'm, I, I really, really, really don't like the shifting. And, and the thing with that is, it, if people are like, well, why is it different for a lefty and a righty? Well, it's different because the second baseman can play in shallow right field and yeah, throw you out. The yeah. shortstop can't play in shallow left field. In shallow field left field, field and throw, and throw you, out. you out. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So it's that's why I, I'm actually and most of the time that big guy that lefty that's gonna hit that ball in that hole over there is gonna be super. He's a big guy. He's a slow. You know what I mean? He's a slow guy most of the time. So yeah, you know, for the most part, him playing in short right field, he's gonna be out every time. Even hit the ball to right field, you could probably damn near throw him out. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. No, so. it's true. It's true. All right, see, so you're on board with everything but the bigger base. Man, I like the rule changes. Yeah, everything except the bigger bases. I don't, I don't, I don't like the bigger bases just because if you know if I'm on the mound and you hit a ground ball to short or third and it's a routine and you beat it out because the base is a little bigger, I think that's bullshit. Out to out, you know what mm-hmm. I'm saying? Yeah, no, I, I, I understand that, and maybe that actually doesn't enhance the game because it's like, are we really lacking infield hits right now? Are we like, oh, you know what? We need more infield hits. Like, Mm-mm. probably not. Um, no. All right. A uh, few Twitter questions here, see. Um, Gil Yo uh, say, has two questions. Got a little greedy there. Just kidding, Gil Yo. We'll answer two. Um, number one for you, see, weirdest thing that's happened to you during a game. And number two is the easiest out for you. The person you knew you could get out every time you face them. Damn. Some good um, questions, right? That is a good question. The weirdest thing that ever happened to me during a game, um, I had the the bug thing like Jabba did one time in Cleveland. Really? Yeah. They just came for you? Yeah. It was a bunch of them out there on the field uh, one night. That was weird. Um, Were you able to concentrate? Uh, yeah. No, nah, they just called timeout. We came out and like flapped them around. I mean, it, you know, we were used to it. Like we yeah. knew that, that happened once a summer. It just happened late that that year with Jabba. Um, I'm trying to think, man, like weird stuff that's happened to me on the mound. Um, did, did you ever like not be able to like, did you ever have to use the facility, so to speak, while you were on the mound and, and just like couldn't wait? Nah. That's good. Never. I always had to use it when I was on my way walking out. Like it's just a nervous thing, but gotcha. it never, it never, never. Nah, I mean, I don't. I never really had weird weird shit happen to me, I guess. Like All right. Um, for the most part, I mean, no, nah, I was other than arguing with umpires and shit, like for the most part, it was it was pretty normal, I guess, five hundred and something starts. <laughs> That's <laughs> how, possible. How about um you the the hitter you knew was just like oh. an out? Uh, the hitter that that I feel like I get out all the time. Yeah, just lefties. Um, any lefties, whoever it was. I mean, Joe Mauer, you know, Chris Davis, whoever. Like, if it's a lefty in the lineup, I expect the lefty to go zero for three with three strikeouts. 
Got every you. time that I face him. So that's why going back to our last pile with Monty, how I get pissed yeah. off when he walks lefties or give up his lefties. Any lefty that they put in front of me, I felt like I could have got out. Anybody who I don't give a fuck who it was. Well, after Bobby Wagner, look up those numbers for uh, Davis and Maurer, though. That's interesting. Yeah, look up, look up, look up Maurer's numbers because I feel like I, I feel like I did pretty good against yeah, Maurer and Chris Davis too. Yeah. But I feel like I, I'm just saying because Joe Maurer's like a Hall of Fame hitter. You know what I'm yeah, saying? Yeah, yeah, exactly. I'm trying to think yeah. of any other lefties like Junior. You could look up Bobby. Like look up. I mean, any lefties. I feel like I mean, I feel like I fucked lefties up. I I just I was going to look it up myself on Baseball Reference, but now it's part of this what I need a subscription for, and I don't remember my username. So, uh, we'll have subscription to, we'll have to, for yeah. Baseball Reference. Fuck well, that. just for the pitcher batter message. Uh, hey, they got to get paid. I, yeah, I, 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 I I I so we'll have to see if Bobby can get it. Um. Oh, here you go, Mauer. Oh, you did. Mauer hit just one ninety six against you with a two thirty nine slugging. Yeah, one ninety six. Yeah, 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 yeah. I faced yeah, him a lot too, guys. Oh yeah, think about it. Right when you were in Cleveland, I faced him sure. a lot. Yeah. Um. All right. Here's another good one. Uh. Yeah. Forty six at bats. You dominated him. Um. David Lee Acevedo says the last pod you mentioned CC looking like a boxer. Since celebrity boxing is picking up steam, if CC could box any former teammate or foe, who would it be? Parentheses. <laughs> I'm secretly hoping it's a Red Sox. Nah, I, I don't. I mean, you know Jackie me, right? Bradley like, Jr. Nah, because I'm <laughs> never getting into a ring with nobody. I don't want to fight nobody. Because like, I don't want to get punched in the face. I'm not fighting nobody. There's this no is, one who you'd want to. Nah, this is for me looking good at the beach right here. Like, all right. I've only been in maybe I think two fights in my whole life, guys. Like, got yeah. into one fight in the sixth grade, and I got to a big fight in the eighth grade. Uh, like a big, I, I guess you can call it like a turf fight like but that's it like I, I haven't been in a lot of fights I don't like to fight because I'm not a fighter I, I'm I, glad you're not I'm glad you're not so it's, I, I, it's, I it's can't better see to myself, not be I can't see myself like saying coming on here and be like oh I want to fight this you know what I'm saying like yeah even yeah. even me like like what the point the, the part like like I'm I guess I'm confrontational but like when I get to that point like I'm ready to fight so like I, I never get to that point where like I, I, I want to c- confront somebody or you know what I'm saying like I always try to keep it cool and, and relaxed because of when I get mad, like I'm really fucking mad. So like if you see me yelling and 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 pointing and all that shit, then I like I'm ready to fight. You know what I'm saying? So yes. I never really get to that point. Yes. I like that. I like that you know that you you where to where to where to stop, where to yeah, walk I never, away. I, I never get to that point because Good. I know like when when I get if I get mad, then I'm ready to fucking fight all the time. My my dad used to always he taught me when I was growing up it's it's harder to walk away from a fight like it's like so that was like always my all right I won't you know yeah. um I uh, I also don't necessarily have the physical breath and tools of you either but you know <laughs> I, but 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 it was something I adopted regardless um, all right we'll take uh, we'll take one more here uh oh yes good okay uh Bayrod. <laughs> He uh he tweets, <laughs> um, what was the process of writing your new book like? It was fun, man. It was it was awesome. We it really uh started, I guess, December 2018, and we took all of 2019 to do the book. Um, really ran concurrent with us like shooting the dot. So, you know, to be able to to hatch up all those old feelings and think about all those old things that, you know, stuff that happened throughout my life and Things that happened in 2015, um, it's cool. It was, it was fun, and, and it was, 
it was fun to be able to to like relive some of that stuff and go back to you know little league and high school and you know some of those great memories so the book i think is going to be a lot of fun for people to read because it's just more detail of um you know the doc and i and i you know we had a great response from the doc people really loved it so i'm excited for people to to read this book is you know it's just more more of my life you know and and it's been uh it, it was a great process it's been a lot of fun to to be able to to put it all together um definitely want to thank chris smith the 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 co-author with that helped me write it. My wife, you know, was was big. My mom, Joe Mardi, like everybody, um, did a great job of like helping me remember everything. So um, it was a lot of fun. Are you? Um, the, the, you can pre-order it now, right? Yeah, you can pre-order it now. Yeah. And uh, its official release date is remind June me 1st. Again? June first. June first. Yeah. Right. yeah. June first. Yeah. So it's crazy. It's weird, man, to write a book about like my life, like. I don't know. I mean, even when Zillow, Jason Zillow approached me about it, you know, in 2017, and I was like, man, I don't think I should write a book because, like, I'm not even, like, halfway done yet. You know what I'm saying? And he was like, nah, well, it's just, you know, about everything that you've been been through, you know, leading up to this. And, you know, I didn't think my life was interesting enough to, to do a documentary, to be honest. I swear to God. And, you know, to to be able to have a book out of it, you know, it's just, it's just crazy. I, th- I, I thought everybody dealt with hard shit. You know what I'm saying? So... I, I never thought that you know anybody would want to read about the stuff that I went through, but it, but it, it's fun to 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 know that that people do. They do, they do, and I'm glad that you're willing to share, man. It's uh, it's awesome, and I can't wait, can't wait to read it myself. Can't wait for our audience to read it. And if it's anything like the doc, which was excellent, people will be uh, supremely satisfied. Well, we appreciate all your Twitter questions, guys. Um, yeah, there are some more, but we're gonna have to wrap it for now. Uh, we'll be back next week. We have a couple uh, big pods we think coming next week. So make sure you are subscribed. Make sure you're following us on Spotify. Make sure you're telling everybody uh, you know about it um, and uh, about R2C2. New episodes every Thursday. Bonus episodes as well. And uh, see, um, I hope next week when we chat, you'll be back in your nets on Yes Hoodie again. No doubt. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Peace, everybody. Peace.